So my wife suggested uh, three idiots and an occasional guest, but we don't have a guest this week, so I don't know if that'll work. So we might go with the bad podcast. I like that. This might be the bad podcast for Bill, Ari, and Doug. And I'm Doug, and that was Bill, and this is Ari, and we have a lot to talk about. Ohio State football, but some other things in the world since last week when we had our first podcast. And Ari, I wanted to ask you right off the bat what everyone's talking about. What effect does it have on your life that McDonald's is going to have breakfast all day? Um, I've been doing this thing where I've been trying to diet with my fitness pal, and it's kind of embarrassing because I'm terrible at it. Um, but now the whole diet thing is just going to stop. What's, like, what's the point of dieting when you can go get a McGriddle at any time but of the day? It, what's, what is the issue there? Is it because you could go get a quarter pounder with cheese at any time? What is it about the breakfast menu it's, at three p.m. that is the game changer? It's the buildup of the novelty that McGriddles are. They're such a novelty. <laughs> but is part of the novelty the timing, like the fact that you can get them all day? Does that change essentially what the McGriddle it's the is? The fact that I've spent the last ten years of my life loving McGriddles, but only being up in time to get one about one percent of the time. So right. now that I've loved something for this long and I'm not be able, I've never been able to get it. Now I can go. Well, it's three thirty, and I'm going to go get a McGriddle because I'm awake in time. Bill will tell you this. When we were in Chicago for Big Ten Media Day, we went to McDonald's breakfast, and I literally was running in Chicago to make it to McDonald's on time. We made it there at ten twenty nine a.m. Yeah. And I was like, we made it in time for breakfast, and the woman goes, it actually goes till eleven. I said, well, now I look like an idiot because I've got sweat all over myself, and I'm running through Midway, like outside Midway Airport. We or shared a, a very passionate. High five when we got to McDonald's in time for breakfast, and then it was kind of nullified because we could have she gotten could, there 25 minutes She didn't later. have to tell us that, yeah. it, that it started at 11. She could have just been like, yeah, you guys just made it, because it was like a, yeah, but, slap, but and now, everybody was looking at us. But that's the issue. By offering it all day, that will ne- you will never experience the joy of sprinting to McDonald's again. Yeah, well, the McGriddle lose its luster, because now you can I mean, get it whenever I feel you like want. I feel like anything in life, once you have it, you know, it's and not as good as it That's was what I wanted to ask. I'm just asking. I don't know the answer to this question. But, Ari, have you ever liked a girl, and then you got the girl, and then you didn't really like her anymore? Yeah. Yes, but... You've McGriddled a woman. To me more often. <laughs> You've, uh, are you more often the consumer or the McGriddle? You're the I'm McGriddle. The <laughs> that's sad. Um, but we could have used that. So we are recording this... Uh, on Tuesday afternoon, uh, after we woke up like at noon, uh, following Ohio State's win at Virginia Tech Monday night, and we ate a steak for breakfast. Because, but if McDonald's was open for breakfast right now, how you're we grossed out by eggs, it? aren't you? No, I don't want to eat an egg. I want to eat a McGriddle. No, I know, but like, I want to eat a McGriddle. Oh, what is it? So you just get the McGriddle without just eggs? The like, on it, it is. A, it, Oh, no, just the McGriddle, just with sausage, yeah. Yeah, see, but... You like the egg part, like the McMuffin and the McGriddle? I like egg and cheese breakfast sandwiches, and the most underrated breakfast sandwich there is is Burger King's croissant Do Do you... I would take that over a McGriddle, but now that McDonald's is going 24-7, they just changed the game completely. Do you think Burger King has to respond? I I do. See, I don't think Burger King's breakfast is anywhere near McDonald's breakfast. Burger King's hash browns are amazing. The croissant is so buttery and so soft, and I and I'm not a big like breakfast meat guy, so I like it nice with egg and cheese, and it's just perfect. I think that we were on our way back from somewhere, and it was the best meal I've had all year. I got some French toast sticks, um, 
But do you think we are headed that way now? Well, Jack of an all breakfast, all breakfast, all the time nation. I think, yeah. yeah. I mean, Jack Is in this the, the start of something? Changed the game. Like I've gone to Jack in the Box when I was. But we don't have Jack in the Box in Ohio. You do. There's one in Cincinnati, and I drove there once. <laughs> and one time, I, you know, I order, you laugh, but it's like, oh, I wonder why I can't lose weight. Well, it's like maybe because you had a breakfast sandwich with bacon on it. And tacos in the same meal. And there's something really like a man feels good about himself when he can have whatever he wants whenever he wants. That's the American dream. That's man. that's, that's yeah. the way you're supposed to live, I think. Okay, so we'll go. We already make McDonald's our office away from the office. Mm-hmm. We will periscope it when the first time we all go together to eat McDonald's breakfast in the afternoon. It's like October, right? Is I think that... it's early October. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Okay, uh, football. Here's the question that I have. Um, I'm slightly concerned about the Buckeyes potentially not being very interesting for the next two months because their schedule is soft and they are very good. Bill, is this going to be interesting or is this going to be a level of anticipated and then following through on blowouts that that this team's going to be hard to talk about? Yeah, I mean, we had the conversation in the press box after Virginia Tech game, and I think it is... I don't know. I'm bored by games that are 50 to three every week. I don't. I'm not sure. I know if, if you're an Ohio State fan, I'm sure you enjoy watching your team kick the crap out of everybody every week. But for us, um, it's not very interesting. You kind of run out of things to talk about when a team's really good and, and, and beats everybody they play handily. Um, I think maybe on an individual player to player basis, there are some interesting things. Braxton Miller is always going to be interesting, and, and as they get him more involved and, and try to get him doing more things, that'll be something worth monitoring. But overall. Yeah, I don't see the next. Uh, I don't see the next few weeks being particularly entertaining football. Uh, I think they win probably by forty most most of the games until they get into November. So we're gonna have to try to find a way to to make it interesting, like you said. And I know you know we'll find things to write about during the week, but that those three hours on Saturday, they, I, I wonder sometimes. And we wrote about this in the preseason. You know, for as good as people think the big the Big Ten East can be and is to some extent now with Ohio State, with Michigan State, you know, the, the rest of it, Michigan, you figure is going to get there, but mm-hmm. they're not there yet. And we saw what happened to Penn State, you know, Indiana, Rutgers, Maryland. This is not week in, week out competition. So on those Saturdays, you know, you have to give those the superstars the chance to get the ball. You have to give Ezekiel Elliott the ball. Urban Meyer said 11 carries for him. Against Virginia Tech is not enough. He said he needs 20 to 25 touches a game. You're going to go to Braxton Miller. You're going to get Michael Thomas the ball more when he's not facing Kendall Fuller all the time. But I think, don't you think, Ari, we're going to see other guys? Like, how is Urban Meyer going to balance this of playing his stars? That's why they're here, to play. But what are you going to do if you're ahead by five touchdowns at halftime? Yeah, well, that's an interesting thing. It's like, do you leave... And we've had this debate my first year on the beat. I don't oh, know if you remember. We had this debate. I remember. Debate. But it's like, I don't know if I agree with my 2013 version of myself now. Because it's amplified. Yes, go ahead. And it's I, like, you're right. You know, and it's like, the kid's been out for the past year and a half, two years. So explain what you're talking about. That oh, yeah, debate yeah, in yeah, 2013 was I what? thought it was crazy that Braxton Miller was ever in a game when Ohio State was ahead by 14 points or more in the second half. And Doug thought that they come here to play college football and that they should play until it's completely out of hand and they deserve to play. Now, Ohio State 
every week, and this is the thing that we talk about last year and every year, is Ohio State's going to be playing these Big Ten teams that can't compete, but they're also going to be competing against the national scene just to provide context, I think. And, um, you know, you need the stars to touch the ball. And, and right now, if Ohio State's winning 31-10, to 10, you know, you, don't, you, can't think in the, you can't think in a way where you're trying to avoid injuries. So you want to get these guys the ball as much as you can. And I know that there's younger players, and you always want to get other people involved. But Ohio State's going to want to be, you know, feeding these guys as much as they can. And it's not like there's three. There's like five or six guys that all deserve to touch the ball, which I think is going to spread it out a little bit more and make them need to play longer. And, and it, it is interesting because back then, before Ohio State won the national championship, every discussion was with about Ohio State when they were winning was about the need to impress people, right. about the need to overcome the Big Ten. And to show people, yeah, maybe our conference isn't that good, but we're good. And that's out the window. They did that already. They don't have to impress anybody right now. If they're undefeated, they're going to be number one. If they lose one game, they're going to be at the top of the list of one-loss teams. You know, like they are in the playoff, barring a collapse, barring two losses somewhere along the line, or barring the idea that Michigan State beats them and takes the spot in the Big Ten championship game. They're in. So, you know, there's always this debate of, well, play your star players until the game's in hand. Let me tell you, do you know when the game is going to be in hand against Hawaii? It's currently one eighteen on Tuesday afternoon. It's in hand right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. you talk about – they. it's like, let's play this game. What if Ohio State didn't have some of its best players each week? Well, they didn't have Joey Bosa and Jalen Marshall <laughs> against Virginia Tech, and they won – Handily in the second half after trailing at halftime. What if you took Ezekiel Elliott and Michael Thomas away for Hawaii? What would the effect be? Nothing. Nothing. What if the next week you took away Braxton Miller and Taylor Decker? What if the next week you took away Darren Lee and Vaughn Bell? You know, you could play this game through the schedule until you get to Michigan State. Urban Meyer could rest three superstars a week. This is where I think it gets really interesting. And I know we were just discussing about, you know, getting the ball around other people. But what do you do with the quarterbacks in blowouts? And I think that that is the most interesting dynamic of it, of the game for Hawaii was in hand the second they put them on the schedule, like you said. But if Ohio State's winning 28 to nothing in the second quarter against Hawaii, what do you do? Do you bring JT into the game or do you wait till the end of the game when... You know, they were up by, what, two or three touchdowns by the time he came in with 11 minutes last, uh, in the last game against Virginia Tech. So, and the thing about it is, is I think there needs to be some sort of quarterback rhythm established for Ohio State so that they all are used to the way it's going to be by the time Michigan State happens. But, but that's the thing, but, but okay. Because you don't want, my, my point is, you don't want musical quarterbacks because you're so good to get in the way of finding a rhythm. And then when you're, you're losing to Michigan State 14-10 to 10 in the second quarter, you don't know who's going into the game. And I think that – and that's the thing that a lot of people are, are forgetting is this 96 team, and I, I talked to Stanley Jackson on the phone for this, and it really stood out to me. It's like Ohio State is so good that it's not going to matter who is their quarterback. But that this team needs to avoid the idea of being bitten one time. Right. And if they lose to Michigan State because they don't know what quarterback's going in in a 17-14 game in the third quarter, 
and they make the wrong choice or the team doesn't have the gel that it needs to, you know, come together and they end up losing that game, they're not going to the playoff. But but I don't think but I don't think they're worried about that for at least six weeks. You could completely yeah. dork around against the rest of the non conference schedule and Maryland and Rutgers and you know, like you could get down to business the week before, two weeks before Michigan State and really establish that. But there's just nothing in the next month and a half that's going to change anything. Right, Bill? No. Like, I was <laughs> I was playing around in my head last night wondering, like, what the percentage chance was that JT Barrett, like, might start against Hawaii just because it doesn't matter who plays. If, if Evan Meyer wants to get JT Barrett some snaps and give him the feeling of being a starter and being involved, which seems very important to him in this quarterback battle, um... Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if JT started against Hawaii. I don't think he's going to. Obviously, Cardell will start. But if JT Barrett plays, I don't know, 50 snaps and Cardell Jones plays 10, I don't think that'd be surprising to me at all. And and there's Northern Illinois and Western Michigan, and I think they open with Indiana in the Big Ten. Yeah, there's the next six, six seven weeks, whatever it is, they can do absolutely – I mean, Stephen Collier could play, and I think more often than not they'd be okay against some of the teams they're going to play because the competition level – it's just not even close to matching what Ohio State has on the field. And, and all this stuff, I was just I was curious the whole time going into the game. Whenever Urban Meyer talked about we'll, we'll play two quarterbacks, we might play two quarterbacks. You know, it, you can say that, but that it means such different things. There's mm-hmm. playing two quarterbacks in situations when it doesn't matter, when the game is over, when it's a blowout, when it's an inferior opponent. And there's the idea that you were talking about, Ari. Something's on the line and you don't know who's going in. That is a completely different thing. So, like, if you said, I mean, obviously, factually, Urban Meyer played two quarterbacks against Virginia Tech because JT Barrett played. He did. We saw him. He ran the ball once for 40 yards (laughs) and he threw a touchdown pass to Michael Thomas. And I think those were his two stats. Yeah. But honestly, when it comes down to it, did he really play two quarterbacks against Virginia no, Tech? No, he didn't, no. but he, he almost played did. One, he, he almost did. He yeah. almost did, but he, he admitted that one of the reasons that he didn't was because he didn't want to play two quarterbacks. So if you said to Urban Meyer, well, did you play two quarterbacks Virginia Tech, against Virginia Tech? I think he would say, yeah, yeah I did. Because he wants to make it seem like yeah, we have two good players, two, we're going to play them. Yeah, two quarterbacks isn't a dual quarterback system. No, no. but and that and that in the end, that's that's and I think everyone understands that. That's the issue. It's not about at what point in the blowout does the second quarterback come in. Yeah. Or would against an inferior opponent, if JT Barrett starts against Western Michigan, none of us are going to say, "Oh man, it's a controversy." But if, a, if there's a game in the middle of the Big Ten schedule where, that you don't expect, where they're playing poorly, and then you make a quarterback change, that is a completely different animal. So here's, here's my question then. Do you think Urban Meyer this season will make a quarterback change during a game, in a game that is close, because the first quarterback is playing poorly? Yeah, I, I, don't, I can't imagine that. If Ohio State finds itself in a close game with Michigan State or whoever they might be playing in the Big Ten and it's a close game, I can't imagine he'd leave the team in a position where the quarterback on the field is, is not the guy in his mind who gives the team the best chance to win that game. So if Cardell's, Cardell's out there struggling and it's like toward the end of the third quarter or early in the third quarter and Ohio State hasn't scored in five or six possessions and JT Barrett's standing there on the sideline, I very much think if the River Meyer would switch things up. 
if he thinks JT Barrett can do a better job against whatever defense they're saying. This is when it gets dicey because there's a chance that he might not have to make a tough decision until he has to make it against Virginia. I mean, against Michigan State. And that's when things get really, really hard. So it's like, I thought last night that by sticking with Cardale Jones and him playing the majority of the snaps, that that was a statement saying Cardale Jones won the job he is our starting quarterback, and this is how we're going to play the game. But the second you're, like I said, losing to Michigan State in the second quarter or at halftime, the way they were to Virginia Tech, and then JT Barrett starts the second half or the third series or the second series, then all of a sudden you're in the moment, in the game, in the pressure situation, and then you don't have a quarterback at that point. Okay, here's the question. And I'll preface this by saying, how many times last year did we talk about during our our show last year, weekly show, will the Big Ten have a team in the playoff? We asked that every week, right? And what was our answer every week? No. No, right? Okay, so we were wrong on that. (laughs) Here's the question I want to ask now. Here's the scenario. Um, It's uh, 12 minutes left in the second quarter. Ohio State has had the ball four times and has not scored, has had four unproductive drives. Michigan State is leading 14 to nothing. And the Buckeyes are coming onto the field fairly early, middle of the second quarter, for their fifth drive. Cardale Jones has played the first four drives. Who comes out at quarterback for Ohio State? Does he stick with Cardale Jones or does he put out JT Barrett? I think he puts in JT Barrett. Ari? If you want to win the game, you stick with the guy who started the game. What do you think he will do? Look at that deadpan. Um, you know, I think he'd put JT Barrett in. I think he would stick with Cardell Jones. Why? Because I think he went through that scenario in his head last night, and I think he made a decision in sticking with Cardell that is indicative of, of how he wants to do that. I, I I think that would not be desperate enough measures. And I think the only way you would do that if you if is if you believed there's no chance that Cardale is going to get it back. You know. Well, the thing and is, I don't think that I don't, given what Cardale Jones has done now in four career starts, I don't know that you'd ever get to that point where now if he's made this choice, what would make you say, well, there's just there's no chance we're going to score with with Cardale right turnovers. now. Turnovers. So it's like similar to the, if you're very similar to the situation they were in against Alabama, right? They were down 21 to seven, and Cardale turned the ball over a couple times. If JT Barrett was available, and like if, if that was this year, right? And JT Barrett's available, Urban Meyer sticks with Cardale Jones. I think he would. You think he'd switch? Yes. And you think he'd switch, Ari? I thought the game was over when he threw that pick. But that's. When, and then he, right. they, but giving him this—not that this scenario existed—but pulling him out of the game would have negated that nice slant that he threw to Jalen Marshall that opened the game yeah. back up. Because here's he the thing—the thing that I think is is also interesting is that if it was reversed, right? I all, all along—it's probably simplistic, maybe unfair. I don't know, but my shorthand for the battle, quarterback battle, I think for a lot of us was JT's the safe choice, Cardale's a little bit of a riskier choice, but with a higher ceiling. Is that a fair assessment yes. that you think fair, people yeah. have that? Yeah. So if you play the safe guy and the safe guy's not playing well, then I think maybe you put in the guy who might give you a shot in the arm. But if you're playing the risky guy 
and you're already down and now you're putting in the safe guy, you know, I think that's like a reverse, a reverse kind of thing it's because like, yeah. it's like, well, we're down. We need to make big plays now against Michigan State to try to get this back. It's like, Let's put in the guy who might throw an 80 yard touchdown. It's like being down $500 at the blackjack table and switching to $10 bets. <laughs> right. Wow. Good gambling analogy. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's possible we could talk this to death all year, and we will because it's interesting, yeah. and that it doesn't matter and that Urban Myers kind of got this figured out and the schedule is such that um, it's not going to be that controversial. He's not going to be backed into a corner all that much. And he's made his choice, and his choice is Cardell Jones. It's very interesting. I mean, I think we were all kind of, I don't know, I felt blindsided by the fact that Cardell Jones was was – Starting against Virginia Tech. I felt blindsided that Cardell Jones was going to be starting against Virginia Tech. I don't know. I, I look back at it now, and it's like you wonder. The thing that I think was interesting is that Urban Meyer was talking about the quarterbacks and saying a quarterback this, a quarterback that, without putting their names on it, and saying during the competition one guy's ahead, but the other guy closed the gap, mm-hmm. and we had it flipped. Mm-hmm. who we thought was who. Yeah. We thought, oh, JT Barrett's ahead, but Cardell Jones has made it close. And it turns out it was Cardell Jones who was ahead, and JT Barrett made it close. So um, I think it's interesting. I think it, here's a guy who has – Urban Meyer has three national championships. He's just won a national title and that the school that he grew up rooting for, he's accomplished so much as a college football coach, and here he is, and he surprised us a little bit, you know? Yeah. It's unbelievable to me that he was able to keep it under wraps the way he did. The, the way that everybody was looking at every pregame rep and saying, well, here's who's with the first team center the first time. And, and, and all of it was just, it wasn't anything but what they did all year. Um, but, you know, he picked the guy. What I like about Urban Meyer is that he picked the gamble. Because for so long at Ohio State, what do you think Jim, Jessel, Jim Trussell would have picked? The safe guy or the flashy guy with some turnover? potential i think jim trussell would have taken jt barrett nine times out of ten if not ten times out of ten so you know and that's the same kind of thinking when it comes in my opinion to going forward on fourth down from a 40 and doing all the things that made ohio state so drastically different they're winning now and it's just it's amazing to me how much different ohio state is modern day than it was when jim trussell's there not that jim trussell did anything bad but it's just like funny to me that like jt barrett is like totally a trussell kind of quarterback Recruited by Urban Meyer. Recruited by Urban while, Meyer. Meanwhile, while Cardale Jones was brought here by because Trussell. of Jim Trestle. Oh, that's yeah. a good story idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope you're not listening, competition. Here's the other thing I was thinking about this. I now think that JT Barrett is like the best backup quarterback you could ever hope for. Yeah. Because he's not going to complain. He's going to be 100% totally prepared. He's already a captain. He's Kenny Guyton. Which everyone said Kenny Guyton was the best backup quarterback in the world when Kenny Guyton was a captain, but like five times more talented. Yeah, Kenny Guyton didn't finish fifth in the high. Yeah, he has all those intangibles. It's like I think sometimes you can talk so much about JT Barris intangibles, you leave out the fact that he's supremely talented as a thrower and a runner and a guy running an offense. So he's got all the the stuff in the head that you want from a backup quarterback. You don't have to question his preparation, but he's also got everything athletically, too. So uh, we did not get to the thing we might talk about, which was jeans, sweatpants, and tuxedos. Yeah, I'm surprised you came out of the blocks with the McGriddle thing. I know. I was thinking about – I really wanted some – 
It's hard to eat a steak for the first thing that goes steak in and your eggs. stomach. Yeah, especially I, since your steak looked like a piece of leather. Sorry. I like it well done. Um, okay, thanks for listening to the bad podcast. That was pretty bad. Yeah, was Actually, pretty bad. I listened to the one last week. It wasn't as bad as I thought. I think this one is as bad as I think it is. Because we're sitting in a car and I can look at the levels and like I'm shouting and Ari's in the back seat whispering. So Landis will fix the audio when he puts oh, it together. I think I'm doing together. pretty good. Look you're at shouting look now. At that. Yeah. yeah, you're shouting. Back before you were saying, you know, your, your steak no, was kind of well done. It looked like a piece of leather that they would assemble a Cole Haan with. All right, the bad podcast <laughs> will be uh, covering Hawaii, Ohio State on Saturday. As always, you can catch all of our stories, videos, chats, everything else at cleveland.com slash OSU. So for the B, Bill Landis, the A, Ari Wasserman, I'm the D, Doug Maurice. Thanks for listening here at cleveland.com.